everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of the Trust Me, I'm a Warrior podcast. I'm Spencer Ehrenfeld, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nori. Hey, Nori. Hi, everybody. Welcome. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fantastic, my friend. Today is the episode so many people have been waiting for. Uh, tell everybody who we've got. Uh, today, we have a, a longtime family friend and wife of my father's uh, university friend when we were at law school. That's all true, but, and also, uh, but, but that's not why she's a guest on our podcast. An international human rights lawyer. A very well-respected international human rights lawyer and advocate from Brazil, who also has an LLM from the University of Miami, which is where I had the pleasure of meeting her a little bit before you were born. She's also a well-respected author. She lectures around the world uh, on the subjects of Holocaust denial and on... Um, domestic violence and human rights violations. So we are thrilled to welcome to our podcast, Malena Gordon-Baker, bon dia. Good morning, guys. What a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. Thank We've been working on it. So Malena, uh, thanks for being on our podcast. Um, you look fantastic for somebody who's been in quarantine for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we try. So Malena, um, Tell us a little bit about your background because you're, you have a very interesting story as to how you became a lawyer and the kind of law that you practice. Right. So anyway, I, well, first of all, I want to uh, thank you, Spencer, and thank you, Nori, for, for inviting me for the podcast. It's oh, my first thrilled. one. We're thrilled. And yeah, I'm very excited. You know, everything went right here, you know. Well, don't curse anyway, it. What? Yeah. Don't curse it yet. We just started. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I studied law in Brazil and uh, at the Catholic University in Sao Paulo. And my second year of law school, I interned with the prosecutor's office, the attorney's office, general office. And I work in the criminal department in this uh, uh, internship for two years with crimes against uh, women specifically. Not specifically against women, but a lot of violence and abuse from uh, you know, victims that suffer rape and abuse from the families. And then I graduated from law school. I came to University of Miami to get my LLM, where I met Spencer, brilliant lawyer, it was the highlight of my two years. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so many years, and Spencer has been doing amazing. He's an awesome lawyer, practice, malpractice, you know. And then uh, I, after my, my, my uh, LLM, uh, I raised my kids. My husband works very hard, and he's in a big firm. So I decided to stay with my kids for a little bit, and then I went for my uh, master's in criminal law. I started a whole road going to the criminal law area. I worked in a small office. And uh, I started after I worked with, the, with this criminal firm, I went to uh, work with, the, with an NGO that focused on discrimination of all sorts. So that's when I, uh, in my master's, I decided to write about uh, a topic that was that always worried me a lot, which is violence against women. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a very hot topic, you know? Well, what so, brought you to that? Because you started studying that, you know, very early on in your career. You don't have to be so close to the, to the camera. Uh, there you go. Uh, 
What, what has drawn you to that, to that area, Milena, since the very beginning of your legal career? You know what? I was very, uh, I hate the injustice against women. And uh, I experienced myself, you know, sexual harassment, my friends experienced. I have two daughters and I, we see all over the place. Wherever you go, you see a lot of discrimination, a lot of oppression. So that was a passion. I wanted to, when I, when I started my, my uh, master's in criminal law in Brazil, I wanted to write something that was a protest, that was something that contributed to the world. You know, I wanted to put a name on the, on the problem. And I wanted to study very uh, deeply and name it, see the reasons, you know, go deep into it, and uh, and 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 that's how I I would contribute. You know, because uh, I work with the discrimination, but I wanted something to be. I think when you write, it's a form of protest. So you know, that's uh, well. That's we're we're super proud of you, and you've written a book on this subject. Yeah. So what I did, I I I researched uh, this topic uh, for two years, you know, I, I basically study, you know, the sociological part of the violence, the psychological part, the reasons for it. And then I, my book is basically talks about uh, the laws, you know, why, why is important to have a law of feminicide, for example, and why is it important to break the silence of women? And so I wrote this the book. book? I'm sorry, what's the name of the book? The book in, in, in uh, well, the book in Portuguese, it's the, pro it's the protective measures of violence against women, crimes against women. But oh, I'm, I'm publishing. What, that's the book in English. Yeah. What's it called in Portuguese? In English, I'm publishing. I, I translated and it's going to be published in two months. Ah. It's criminal okay. law. It's, it's violence against women and criminal law. Can you pre-order the book? No. Not for now, but I'll let you, I let the audience and the people oh. that are interested, we can. Uh, we'll, we'll do a virtual book launch when it comes out. Oh yeah, I so, hope. Now for, for those of us who speak fluent Portuguese, can they order your book now? Yes. Again, Melina, you don't have to come right up to the screen. Uh, no, how, how can somebody because buy- Because I love you so much, Spencer. I love you too, come close, let me kiss you. Very close. <laughs> this social distancing is very difficult for I me. I know, I know, I missed you. <laughs> I'm <laughs> seeing people. <laughs> how can somebody uh, purchase your book now in Portuguese? Oh, they can go through Amazon and, uh, and they can purchase. But uh, when I launch in the United States, it's going to be like a worldwide uh, chain of uh, booksellers. Wonderful. So I can be, we can, we can do virtual, yeah. Yeah, we'll do a virtual book launch. Yeah. But can we do a, do, is the book available on Kindle? It's going to be available. Yeah. Oh, it's available in Brazil in, in Kindle. No one uses Kindle anymore? No. What do no. I mean? Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I still sell books on Kindle. <laughs> but my demographic's different than yours. So who's this book made for? Lawyers, law students? Who's, who's the intended audience? No, I think it's basically, yeah, for law students, for people that are researching the area, was recommended at the best law school in, some, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. It's recommended in their course of gender and law. Is that the Catholic law school? Yeah, it's the state 
of Sao Paulo Law School. It's the best law school in the country, number one. And they recommended my book. I was very happy. Uh, I, I, I get a lot of citations. What? I said mazel tov. It means congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was, was hard work, but uh, it came out good, yeah. And as a result of all this, Milena, you're recognized around the world as an expert on this subject. You've lectured in different countries. Where, where all have you been? Yeah, well, after also this topic of violence against women, I jumped for uh, intolerance and discrimination, anti-Semitism, uh, conspiracy theories, anti-Semitism. Uh, and then I started uh, lecturing. I went to Columbia University wow. uh, two years ago. I spoke there. I spoke in Ferrara at a conference of sociological European uh, scholars. Wonderful. Um, so proud of you. Yeah, I like, I like working with vulnerability, vulnerable groups. Well, that's you know, why you, you and I get along so well. Yeah, and today I have to I have to tell you, I mean, I know you're the interviewer. No, tell me. But I have to tell you, it's a very important topic, domestic violence and violence against women. Unfortunately, it's it's harder than ever with the numbers from the UN women. The violence against women jumped uh fifteen percent with the COVID nineteen. You know, I just got the data of, uh, a week ago. Okay, with the report of the numbers rising and the phone calls because women, you know, they're confined in their, in their houses, you know, with their husbands and uh, there's a lot of stress. And it's very sad that the numbers are jumping and the feminicide and the rape of girls because people, you know, get more stressed and they, they're confined. So the two factors, I mean, I'm not saying that COVID-19 is the cause of it, but it increments it, you know, it's, it's worse. Yeah. Well, we had on yesterday a family law attorney, Manny Sagara, and Nori told him that you were coming on the program and he specifically asked for you to address this issue because he's seeing an, a marked increase in the number of family law cases that involve domestic violence um, dur during this pandemic. So he, he really wanted you to talk about it. Uh, and we appreciate you talking about it. What advice do you have for victims of domestic violence during this time? What, what can they do or should they do uh, given the fact that you can't really go out? Well, one thing that I said that I talk about in my book, I think the first thing is to recognize you're being a victim of violence because that's, that's my main message in my book and my mission is to name that violence that was for uh, through, throughout the history was silence and the state participated in the silence. You know, the state never wanted to interfere, you know, until you have the movement of the private is political. So if I fight with my husband, my husband is killing me, still the state has to inter interfere on that. And for many, you know, for many years, the state didn't do anything, but now, thank God, we are getting to, to we have laws, you know, that protect women. My advice is, so first is to recognize you're being a victim, identify, you know, uh, not, I think the person can't be very emotional about it. You have to be very uh, calm about it and try to, to understand what's happening and then contact uh, institutions that will protect you. I, I was, I'm Brazilian, so I don't understand, I have to be honest, I don't understand exactly how the law 
works in the United States for, uh, I know you have the VANA or the ACT, but I don't understand exactly how it works. But what I know is, especially if you're an immigrant, if you're a foreigner, I mean, if you're a Latin person, uh, I saw that in Brazil, they have a lot of lives with groups in New York, in New Jersey, in Miami, that will uh, help you. Uh, it's a channel. You have, to, you have to find a lot of channels. In other words, making it simple, find channels. Even if you don't know the government office or whatever, you're, you're raw on the subject, you know? So I would go in through different channels, easy channels that you can- uh, well, What do you mean by channels? Channels, I mean like, for example, today Instagram, it's a very powerful source of information, like Facebook is too. Yeah. So in Instagram, you have a lot of, uh, you can follow a lot of different organizations and uh, you have groups. For example, I belong to a group of empowerment of women in Brazil, from Brazil, but here in the United States. It's called Grupo de Mulheres. And they will uh, help you find the right place to go. You know, because sometimes I think when the moment of crisis, the women is nervous and can't think straight. So maybe they need more support of somebody that can guide them. So if you're Venezuelan, you have a channel of an NGO that helps Venezuelan. If you're Mexican or if you're, and even if you're American, you have a lot of different support groups. Can people go to that Facebook channel here, uh, even if they're not Brazilian or speak Portuguese and, and try to get Yeah, well, the Brazilian, yeah. Yeah, the Brazilian, I, I have the, I can send uh, the name. It's called Grupo de Mulheres. Mulheres is women. And... We'll put it on this link. Now, Milena, a lot of people, when they think about domestic violence, assume that the victim is the, the female in the relationship. Are you familiar with situations where the victim is actually the male in the relationship? Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I mean, uh, men also suffer violence, and especially young boys. Okay, they suffer abuse. But what I focus more is that specific violence of men against women, it's, it's historical violence from patriarchy, from the, the, all the, when I said that the state contributed, you have a lot of uh, phenomenons in, in, in criminal law that you can see that the women suffered more than men, and it's not equal in that sense. You know, you have, for example, marital rape. Until 20 years ago, marital rape was not a crime. You know, there were criminal lawyers that I knew in Brazil that were very well known, and they said, no, it's not a crime. It doesn't look, and now it changed. We changed that. So it is a crime. Yes, it is a crime. And you have, uh, for example, defenses in Brazil that used to be uh, killings of, uh, in name of the honor. Okay, if the man found a woman with another, if, if the, yeah, with another man, you know, right. adultery, right. Uh, he, could, he could get an exemption of the penalty, okay? So what I, what I talk about in my book is exactly that type of a violence. It's, very, it's different violence because the violence committed is uh, oppression and try to dominate women. Sometimes it's not even about sex, it's about force. Right. It's about supremacy. And just one more thing that I want to tell you guys, uh, when I started working on my book, 
I found that the law in Spain, for example, uh, in the code in Spain, they have a lei ordinaria, which article 300 something, when a man hits a woman, the penalty is higher and more severe than when a, a general, if a woman hits a man. So that's how I, I became very interested in this article of law showing the inequality. And how many, how, many, how many scandals have you seen today of a, of a woman uh, sexual harassment? Not, not very Movies, much. documentaries. Nothing. I don't see anything on that. Are you talking about the woman being the victim of sexual harassment? Or the person who's actually committing? Yeah, I'm talking about that. You, you said that men suffer violence. Okay, if men, I'm not saying that men doesn't suffer. Men suffer, but I'm talking about a very specific problem that women suffer in equal, in equal terms. There is no equality in that. Do you agree with that law in Spain that men should be held? To I agree. You agree with that? I agree because it's a very specific violence, you know? Uh, okay, you, it, it, well, it, it's, personally, yeah. it completely contradicts the moral of feminism, because wouldn't, feminism, after all, strives for the equality of both genders, so you would want, or sexes, so you would want legislative equality, too. I, I agree with you. And punitive equality. I, I agree with you. At least in well, my, I, yeah, I understand. In your eyes, uh, the violence against uh, women is is from a place of a, a more you know historical and structured uh, intent, but regardless, violence is violence. So like if a man kills a woman, or a woman kills a man, one person is dead in both cases. Yep. So a, a human loss should be treated equally in the eye of the law, not necessarily because I mean you can't. I don't think it's fair to say that violence against women from men is always from a place of, you know, the structured historical sense. Sometimes violence against women from men is, is from a place where it could equally be uh, the same place when it's uh, violence from a woman to a man. Yeah, so, I, I agree. But I, I, mean, I respect your opinion and I, I love you, Melina, but I, I think that if you provide a, a legal structure that puts men at a higher criminal or, or civil responsibility than women, then it's creating by, by the law an inequality. You want to raise women up to the same level of men, both for victim and for the being punished. That's my thought. No, I understand uh, what you guys uh, think, but I am uh, an, um, a big admirer. No, I'm a big admirer of Aristoteles, the Greek philosopher. Yeah, really. uh, you know what? You you. You're sometimes, uh, you can't treat the equality. You have to treat people that are equal, totally equal. And men and women are not equal. Women don't have the same pay. You don't have the same scandals. You don't have the same history of oppression. And you don't have the same statistics. So you're not talking about equals. You're not talking about, you don't have, for example, if you, every, show and every movie and now I'm talking about Hollywood to get out of the sociological part but if you if you look at every movie every even stupid net Netflix movie right. unorthodox Khalifa whatever it is whatever religion it is women was always the the victim 
So I think in order to, uh, we have to have an accountability for that because women are not property of their husbands, of their fathers. They have the right to, uh, if, you, if we give women, okay, this panel, if we, if we, if we understand where, it, where is this violence coming from with all the cases that went to the, to the human rights courts in Costa Rica, you know, we understand very well how men treat women and um, the way it works. And it's been silenced for a long time, that kind of violence. So I, when I see, Okay. So when I see all these statistics and I understand the whole history, I really think that because law, it's a, it's a conduct of behavior. Law, in a way, I see law as a symbolism because it tells you how to behave in society and law. Because for so many years, you had this discrimination. When you have a minority that for so many years has been discriminated, you have to turn, you have to flip, you have to give them equal rights. Like the same, a little bit the same that happened to black people. They have a quota because for so many years they were discriminated. And with the Jewish people too, for so many years they suffered so much oppression, you know, that people don't know. People only know that they suffered the Holocaust, but it's more than that. You know, it goes back into the to thousands of years, to thousands of years. So you have to give them equal instruments you know, in that sense. And, and the statistics and the facts don't show the equal, that they are equal. I mean, in that sense, in the sense of violence, so. I do have one question though. I don't wanna like, you know, drool on this one point, but just because I wanna hear your thoughts on this, wouldn't it, and you did kind of bring this up just now, but wouldn't it be the same thing to say that if a white man were to kill a black person, he should suffer more legally speaking, than if a black man kills a white person? Because I mean, there's historical significance behind the white killing of black. Right, right, right. Well, you have that in the States. In the United States, you have a legislation of the hate crimes. And what is behind this legislation of the hate crimes is exactly that, because it's a crime no matter what, and that I agree with you. It's a crime no matter what, but there is a, a little bit more in, in criminal law in Brazil, we have crimes, you have a fact, okay, a man kills another man, but then you have aggravations, okay? In what circumstances this crime was committed. And that's what I'm talking about, you know? And, and the, the hate law crimes in the United States, they, are for, they protect minorities. So they, in that case, it will be under the hate crime legislation, you know? And that's the, the, that's the reasoning, that's the reasoning behind also, you know? Well, listen, Melina Gordon-Baker, thank you so much for taking some time out today and for all the hard work you're doing to bring to the attention of the world, the plight of victims, uh, your writing, your books, your lectures, and the hard work that, and research that you've done around the world to help uh, victims, we applaud it, and uh, thank you so much, and we are so grateful that you could take the time out to be on our podcast today. It's just wonderful to see you. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. I hope it, you know, was good because it's my first podcast. I'm very excited. You're wonderful, and please give our love to your daughters and to your handsome husband. We love you, your whole entire family. Yes, you guys take care, and the co-host is very good too. 
He's the best. Thank you. Thank you so I'll much. I'll hire you. <laughs> Let's. We'll have you back on to launch your book in English. Yes. Oh, maybe you can have the, the launch of the Holocaust denial book. We would be honored. We would be yeah, honored. Yeah, working, I'm working with the publisher. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, maybe in a month. Elena Gordon. Okay, guys, thank you so much for having me. Okay, have a great day. Bye.